0: You're listening to a podcast on Catholic Saints. This podcast is produced by the Augustine Institute, an apostolate helping Catholics understand, live, and share their faith. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Saints. My name is Taylor Kemp. I am the director of Formed, and with me today is Dr. Christopher Mooney.
1: Hi Taylor, thanks for having me with you.
0: It is great to have you here. You are a professor of theology at the Graduate School, is that correct? Correct. Very wonderful. Today we are talking about St. Thomas Aquinas, a name that many are familiar with, but hopefully this uh, episode sheds more light on. So uh, Dr. Mooney, what do we need to know about St. Thomas Aquinas? Yeah, it's
1: really hard to know um, where to start. Thomas Aquinas is a a giant in the history of Christian yep. thought, um, and I, I mean that actually somewhat literally. First, if people have ever seen icons of Thomas, he's usually actually quite large, <laughs> and it's because the—the the reports say that he was—he uh, was either some people say he was sort of overweight, or that he was just a really tall just person. He's a big but guy. He's a literal giant. People remember him that way, but even more, he's a theological giant, um, and he's a theological giant because he's one of the most important. Uh, he's one of the most important thinkers in the history of the church.
0: Um, Which is quite the, the thing to say.
1: Yes, absolutely. Well, and it's not just me. Um, the church has often held up St. Thomas as the common doctor or mm-hmm. as the universal doctor. So um, doctor here in this case uh, doesn't mean you know a physician. It means, mm-hmm. uh, as the Latin term, uh, a teacher. Okay. And so Thomas Aquinas has been been held up as this universal teacher, someone who is a teacher for
0: the whole church. So what distinguishes him? Because there's many doctors of the church, teachers of the church. But then so what differentiates between a a regular old doctor of the church and then St. Thomas, who is a universal doctor of the church?
1: Yeah, um, it's the particular way that the church has seen in St. Thomas a unique excellence in theology, a, a unique excellence of insight. There's um, St. John Paul II said that uh, in Thomas Aquinas uh, that Thomas Aquinas obtained, the most elevated synthesis of faith and reason that anyone has ever obtained. Yeah, wow. It's a really strong statement. Um, so surely he
0: was from uh, what, 50 years ago. Yeah. Great. So <laughs> um,
1: so I just wanted to sort of get everyone excited about St. Thomas. You know, but uh, uh, he was born in the 13th century, so oh, high a Middle long Ages. Long time ago. And oftentimes we have this sense that the Middle Ages are are the Dark Ages. Yep. But if you get if you get to know anything about St. Thomas, you see immediately that's not the case. mm mm-hmm. um, now, he was born um, in around the year 1225 in southern Italy, okay. about 80 miles south of Rome, um, to a wealthy family. He was the youngest son. And as the youngest son, it was sort of customary at the time that his parents might put him in a monastery for his education. Mm-hmm. And then one day he could become an abbot. Okay, And so he sort of set off. He was placed in this trajectory. But then suddenly and unexpectedly, he met this new this new group in the church mm-hmm. called the Dominican Friars, who are, of course, still around today. Mm-hmm. And uh, St. Thomas was captivated by the Dominicans, and despite the resistance of, the, of his parents, mm-hmm. he eventually joined the order. And, and that's... And-
0: that order, uh, the Dominicans, they hadn't been around for very long.
1: Correct, right? yeah. The Dominicans had only been founded a few decades before, yeah, like uh, before St. Thomas, Thomas joined.
0: Very recent. Exactly. So yeah.
1: this is sort of part of the scandal. It shows something already of his of his courage and his mm-hmm. willingness to, to,
0: follow, um, to follow Christ wherever he was leading. It's interesting, too, because it kind of cuts across the cloth of who you for, for many of us who are familiar with Saint. Thomas or have heard a lot about him, he's you know a very structured thinker. He could be um, described as rigid by some. and then you discover like, wow, he went into a new order that it just you, you would almost think he would join an order that had been around for a long time, but he didn't. right. And, and you
1: can see that even in the fact that he, what he didn't do was become a Benedictine monk, mm-hmm. which had been around for centuries. Yeah. instead he joined this new order, the Dominicans. And I think part of the reason is because the Dominicans were a, a really revolutionary force in the church in the 13th century. They were committed to the renewal of theology and catechesis of teaching. Okay. They saw how poor teaching was, hmm. um, how with what great difficulty people had responding to arguments, especially heresies that were had taken root in, uh, throughout Europe. And Dominic knew that in order to do this, you needed to be well-formed in your mind and live a holy life in all of your conduct. Mm. And so he wanted to take the, the best of the monastic spiritual uh, tradition and mm-hmm. its disciplines and combine them with a rigorous um, preaching formation to have friars who, unlike monks who were located in monasteries, could go about in order to preach the gospel and in order to to respond. And that's the kind of formation that uh, St. Thomas received. How would they, do you know, do we know, how how would they receive their formation? Yeah, so um, often in these these houses, Mm -hmm. uh, the studium uh, or studia, where the friars would be trained and, and sometimes this would be attached to the early universities that had, okay. just, that had just been founded um, within the last century or so. And that's actually what St. Thomas did for most of his life. He was okay. a teacher for the Dominican order. And so he taught... From he was he was trained by another saint Saint Albert the Great mm-hmm. in uh, modern day Germany okay. and then he taught throughout Paris and Italy throughout his life until he died at a fairly young age at 50 um, unexpectedly so he lived from about 1225
0: to 1275 okay so he, he as a young man he is sent to the Benedictine monastery for an education. There's this upstart order, the Dominicans. He he leaves the monastery to go join them. In the midst of this, he is getting his formation um, from his brothers and and from wherever. So, um, at what? Talk a little bit more about his, so to speak, his career as a Dominican. Of, of yeah. Do we have much of a timeline of of he went from this to this to this? What did he do? Great question. Yeah. So after he joined the Dominican
1: order, he very quickly went, as I just mentioned, to to study with Saint Albert the Great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, surprisingly, even though he was too young, St. Albert actually nominated him to be a professor for the Dominicans in okay. Paris. Um, so it was already a sign of his... that, that um, Albert recognized his he great saw, capabilities. I, yeah. yeah. In fact, there's a famous story that, um, be, that supposedly St. Thomas was quite quiet. And so... Uh, his classmates mockingly called him the dumb ox. Mm-hmm. Um, Big guy. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and St. Albert said that one day this ox would bellow so loud that the whole world would hear it. Um, Prophetic. Which we still, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so he taught for a while in Paris and then moved back to Italy for the formation of Dominicans. And then also another unprecedented move, he, he came back to Paris to okay. teach again there. And he was constantly writing, I mean, almost. A, um, he, he in some ways, he'd be like the saint of the Q&A today, okay. constantly answering questions. But his main work was as a teacher. Okay. He taught... What did he teach? He, yeah. Yeah, he taught theology. Okay. Uh, interpretation of scripture um, and introduction to, to doctrine.
0: Okay. Um, so tell us a little bit more about that. What do we... You know, today when we look back at him as universal doctor of the church, what are we pointing to? What has the church learned from him over the ages?
1: Yes. Um, so I think... Some of the, perhaps one of the things that stands out most about St. Thomas, which many people recognize in this work he wrote called the Summa Theologiae, mm-hmm. some, some people might be familiar with that or have mm-hmm. heard the name before, the Summa, um, it, it means kind of the sum of theology. It's a kind of introductory work, but at a graduate level. So sort Mm -hmm. of for the formation of Dominican friars. For any
0: of you out there who have read it, and to Dr. Mooney's remark when he just said it was introductory, if you feel (laughs) that it might be a little bit above introductory, I I am with you.
1: Yes. But it was, it was, um, the the best way to think about it is, I think, introductory at the graduate level. Yes. So a sort of, um, so introductory advanced. Yes. (laughs) Um, but actually, one of the things that, that people really admired from the beginning about St. Thomas's work is its clarity and simplicity. Yes. He always got right to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the reason is, and this is one of the reasons why I think St. Thomas is, is a patron for uh, teachers and students, is I, I, I kind of think of um, St. Thomas as, as like a saint of the truth. Yes. He loved the truth. But of course this isn't this isn't an abstract or academic thing for him. The truth is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And he wants to know Christ and all things in relation to Christ. But in order to do that, in order to do that really well, he dedic- dedicated himself rigorously to teaching and study. The way there's a, there's a motto that the Dominican order still uses today that comes from the writings of St. Thomas which is to contemplate and to hand on to others mm-hmm. the fruits of contemplation. This idea that you can't teach what you don't know, mm-hmm. um, and so Aquinas, Aquinas dedicated himself rigorously to the pursuit of the truth and to handing it on, in a very structured way. Yeah, and, and that's I think one of the most compelling things about him. You know, Aquinas Summa is it's all written in this question and answer mm-hmm. format. There's a question, some, and then he he imagines some objections, mm-hmm. and then he gives some answers and resolutions. And, and one of the things I'll just say that I, I, I admire about that is, um, you know. People have questions today. Mm-hmm. They, they always have questions. And a lot of people don't take those questions seriously. You know, anyone who's ever had the experience of getting a fake answer yeah, to a question. Is, yeah.
0: um,
1: Aquinas will never give you a fake answer. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe you'll read a question, you realize that's that's not my question. Right. Um, but he's he takes seriously the questions that people have because he wants to give a holistic picture of the truth.
0: Yeah. And uh, to your point about he is a great model of a seeker of the truth, that he also recognized that the truth was something you not just it was something you could really hold on to. So yeah. when you're investigating a question, it's like there is an answer, mm-hmm. a real answer. Yeah. Um, and I've always been amazed. Uh, I've not read the Suma th- through and through, but have gone in throughout certain parts. But I've just been amazed at how sort of capacious, how large, how expansive his thought is. Because he, you, you stumble on these questions, and you're like not only has that never been a question of mine, I can't believe anyone's ever asked that question. (laughs) And it's really incredible. You're like, there's such a, uh, I've always been, I I love the Dominicans. I was formed by them, but there's such a charity in their study that it's so rigorous and it's work. It's a lot of work to to come to truly know something. And then when you look at his work, which covers so much, you're like the amount of love that had to drive that because it's like, it's no small thing at all. Um, And it's, it's, Yeah. I feel like whenever I've read him, you just see like he must have had such a desire to help people understand from so many angles.
1: And I think that's exactly the point. It's not that he just wants to do this academic exercise. (laughs) It's not that he just has to, you know, the courses have to be taught. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to check the boxes. No, he cares deeply about formation. Mm -hmm. He cares deeply about um, being a teacher. Mm -hmm. And I think in many ways you know, um, we, we actually don't know a lot about the life of St. Thomas from himself. Mm-hmm. He wrote very little about his life. And, and you know, he's he's. it's great to have that we have so many different kinds of saints. But sometimes people, you know, they see in a saint like Padre Pio, the, mm-hmm. the power of the miracles, or they see in a saint like St. Therese, her autobiography of mm-hmm. uh, the revelation of the deep love that she had. And we don't have anything like that for mm-hmm. St. Thomas, except that you come to see that he gave himself totally to Mm. his work of teaching. And that was his holiness. And everyone recognized it. Um, But but in some ways, he really wanted to... He actually had so much humility, I think, that that he hid himself in that teaching. Mm. You know, um, when people asked him how did he know so much, he didn't say, I deeply studied or, well, you know, I have a memory that's greater than anyone else's. I've read so many books. No, he said, every good insight I ever had, I obtained in prayer. And in fact, Come other on. people would tell, yeah, other people would say there are these stories that St. Um, that Thomas, when he was uh, stuck with a really difficult question, especially commenting on the scriptures, mm-hmm. you know, what did Isaiah mean when he wrote this? What did Paul mean when he wrote this? Would pray to them. And some of his brothers later said that they saw uh, St. Paul or Isaiah appear to him Mm. and answer his question. Um, So devotion was never detached from teaching. Yeah, it was an integrated... And and this is why I think think St. Thomas is such a great model for students and teachers, Mm -hmm. is that there's a way that we can really give ourselves to teaching, to helping people come to understand the Lord. uh, And St. Thomas models that.
0: I've also heard the story that didn't he also, when he had questions and he needed answers, he would just Rest his head on the tabernacle. Yes, uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, so beautiful. Yeah, um, because he's going to truth himself yeah. um, in Christ. So uh, I, I want to ask. So, say someone is listening to this episode and they don't know much about Thomas and um, they're interested. Where Where are some good places to start? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I think one of the
1: uh, really remarkable things about Saint Thomas is that, as I mentioned earlier, you know the Church sees him as a universal doctor, mm-hmm. um, and it's because. The, the insights of St. Thomas are really still alive today mm-hmm. in people, um, in, in the influence he's had in the church. And I think one of the clearest places um, is in the Dominican order, mm-hmm. which continues to look to St. Thomas as a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think one of the, the, um, the best things to do is uh, to learn about St. Thomas from the Dominicans themselves. Mm-hmm. Um and so maybe that could mean you know if someone knows a Dominican friar, but the, the Dominicans have also put out this great series of videos mm-hmm. on St. Thomas um, that I, I find uh, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, what are it,
0: they? What are they called?
1: Yeah, great. Uh, they're called Aquinas 101. Really simple. Check Aquinas them out. Aquinas 101. Um, so uh, they're a great introduction to the, the life of St. Thomas um, because I, I mention this because it can be hard for us mm-hmm. to get into um, to read the works of St. Thomas mm-hmm. because they were written for his students. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a sign of what a good teacher he was that he wrote them well for those students. Mm-hmm. But there's a kind of language used, a, an expectation of philosophical yes. training that uh, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so, however, for anyone who wants to, St. Thomas's whole summa is available online in lots of different places. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just search, you know, uh, Thomas Aquinas' mm-hmm. summa. Um, a common website is called newadvent.org. Mm-hmm. There's also one called aquinas.cc. Um, lots of places where you can find. Uh, many of his works translated into English. But, um, but I think starting with the Dominicans is a great option. I, mm-hmm. I've also really liked, um, we've talked about the, uh, you and I have talked about the biography that G.K. Chesterton yes. wrote, um, which is, uh, I think, really gets at um, St. Thomas. I really like a book called um, Thomas Aquinas, A Portrait. Okay by a um, by Dennis Turner. okay, really good introduction. Check that out too. To
0: St. Thomas. But Yeah, I agree. The Aquinas 101 videos I've gone through and and would also highly recommend, but it is nice to have a guide because I I found as someone who was not brought up in the Catholic tradition that he uses certain words, form and matter Mm. and accident that had a meaning to me that made no sense when reading them in him. And once you kind of unlock that key, it starts to click a little bit, but you need, it is true. You need some help. And there's plenty of good guides out there and the Dominicans are are wonderful for that. G.K.
1: Chesterton says he was once in a bookstore and saw someone reading uh, a book, uh, a volume of St. Thomas. Closed it, frowned, and said, "If that's God's simplicity, I don't know. I want to know anything about His complexity. Simplicity, that's <laughs> <Yes>. pretty good. <laughs> so the irony is that uh, God is only simple. There's no complexity to God. But yes, um, but this is one of the great insights.
0: That, I wanted to ask. Saint I wish Thomas. I would have asked this earlier. Uh, so one question is: There's there has been around Saint Thomas some uh, controversy in the past in the history of the Church. Uh, he was su- his teaching was suppressed at certain moments, um, in respect to Aristotle, his philosophy, which, uh, today we don't take nearly as contentious, obviously, but can you talk a little bit about that? Because in a sense, uh, St. Thomas was doing something that was not totally settled upon or even fair game. Um, and now it is, but it it benefited the church. So could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, when, uh, when he taught in Paris near Mm -hmm. the end of his life, um, the works of Aristotle, the ancient Greek philosopher, Mm were really controversial. Um, And in part because of certain ways that people construed Aristotle. So shortly after his death, the Bishop of Paris did condemn some certain Mm -hmm. propositions that were in in Aquinas. I wouldn't take this as meaning that the church had ever, you know, as Mm -hmm. a whole condemned uh, anything by by St. Thomas. But the thing is, you know, he often uses this term, simply the philosopher, mm-hmm. to refer to Aristotle. And it, it's, this, um, it's this title of respect. And the reason is because, you know, to go back to that quotation I, I mentioned from John Paul II earlier, that mm-hmm. no one has ever obtained a greater synthesis of faith and reason, it's because he thought there really is only one truth. Mm-hmm. And truth cannot contradict truth, mm-hmm. which means something true in Aristotle cannot if it's genuinely true, can't be contradictory to right. something true in Revelation. And something true in Revelation cannot be contradictory to something genuinely true in, mm-hmm. you know, the best insights. And then we, we would think of philosophy. Maybe today we might think of the sciences. Mm-hmm. All of these go together yes. because you see something, I, I think, St. Thomas had such a capacious approach mm-hmm. to the truth. He wanted to know um, wherever the truth would come from in order to present this mm-hmm. kind of holistic synthesis, I, as I was mentioning. Um, and in that way, he's not hes not afraid of learning from others. Right. Um, you know, I, I think maybe that's one of the things that stands out uh, about him relative to his contemporaries, that he's not afraid of engaging with people. He's not afraid of saying that Aristotle's wrong in certain mm-hmm. places. You should read some of the times that mm-hmm. he goes after Aristotle. Um but he wants to find the highest integration he can. Mm-hmm. And if there, if there are insights in Aristotle, or if there are insights in other Greek thinkers, he wants to draw it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that kind of generosity, we might call it even a kind of charity, a, yes. a love for the truth, agreed. wherever yep. it is. You know, that's so needed today. Um, agreed. Because people often are very dismissive mm-hmm. of something that doesn't sound right to them, or dismissive of arguments. and and no aquinas always patiently thinks out. Yeah, and, yep. and this is so essential to being a teacher so that's again why he's a, a great patron for teachers
0: yeah and i agree that today that is so necessary because you know if you were to make put, uh, paint in extremes of two different groups the more conservative or the more progressive you know the character of the progressive is all that is old is bad, and uh, the the best is yet to come, and then the opposite is the conservative, which has said everything that's new is bad, and we yeah. must retain. And he walked a very nice fine line where yeah. he was willing to be open to all take in and synthesize and then come out with something that was uh, truly faithful to Christ uh, and to the truth generally. And, and he was fair to the sciences because we shouldn't, as Catholics, be afraid yeah. of new scientific developments. We must like look at them with a prudential judgment, you know, not taking um, as truth that which is presented for sure, but, but willing to understand that, as you said, nothing that is found in the sciences, the material world in which God, that God created can contradict our absolutely. faith. Yeah. And, and there is like that, that hidden seed of doubt in us that can, can sometimes we're like, Whoa, whoa, whoa I want to, let's keep that at arm's length. I'm, I'm doing good over here. And as you said, St. Thomas was, would be firmly against that camp. Yeah. Like, no, let, let, let's listen. Let's truly listen uh, and integrate these things. And we don't have to be afraid as, as Christians. Yeah, um, absolutely. It is beautiful. Okay. So we are closing up here. So would you say, what are some, some primary things that, um, how can we take what we just talked about from St. Thomas and maybe integrate in little bits into our life today? Yeah, great question. Um, so,
1: I, I, maybe one way that we can do this actually would go back to um, what you, the story you told earlier about mm-hmm. Thomas resting his head on the tabernacle. You know, um, uh, and we've seen lots of things that he he had charity towards people he disagreed with. He loved the truth. He wanted to integrate faith and reason. But he did this all through prayer mm-hmm. and through a love of Christ. Um, one of the best stories that anyone, anyone who wants to know anything about St. Thomas as a saint should know um, is that when St. Thomas wrote his section on the Eucharist mm-hmm. in his Summa, which is beautiful because one of the things he says is that, you know, what, what God truly wants, scandalously, is to be friends with us. Um, and that's, that's remarkable. It's not mm-hmm. This isn't just some, some metaphor. He really genuinely wants to be friends with us. And that's why Jesus says, I have called you friends. Mm-hmm. But friends can't be absent from one another, which is why Christ makes himself present in the Eucharist for us. Mm -hmm. And so Aquinas writes this incredible treatise on the Eucharist. And the story is that afterwards, when he was in prayer, the Lord himself appeared to him and said, You have written well of me, Thomas. What would you like as a reward? And he said, Nothing but you, Lord. And so this is what he received. And this is what makes him a saint. So to have to take all of these different parts, you know, whether mm. we're teachers or talking about the faith or just looking for someone to help teach us, mm-hmm. um, to bring them together around a love of
0: the Lord and prayer. I think that's, that's a great lesson. That is a great St. lesson. Thomas. Well, Dr. Mooney, thank you so much for joining us on Catholic Saints. Absolutely. Thank you, uh, viewers out there. We hope that you liked this episode. We will see you next time. God bless. You can watch these interviews in video format by visiting form.org. Formed is an online Catholic streaming service created by the Augustan Institute and Ignatius Press with award-winning studies and parish programs, inspiring audio content, movies, e-books, and family-friendly kids programming. To support the mission of the Augustan Institute, please visit missioncircle.org.